0: Our third reading comes from Peter's first letter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. To the elders and the flock. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care. Watching over them, not because you must... But because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, Submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the grace, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening everybody and uh, let me thank uh, Bishop Richard in his absence for inviting me to uh, speak tonight. Uh, Let's begin by uh, bowing our heads and praying. Heavenly Father we thank you that you are a speaking God and we thank you that your spirit is present with us tonight and we pray for his help as we come to these verses together. Please, by his effective work in us, change us to be more like the Lord Jesus. In his name. Amen. Uh, If you've got a Bible to hand, uh, keep 1 Peter 5 open, because that's where we'll be uh, for the next uh, few minutes. And uh, 1 Peter 5 is an exceedingly helpful chapter, particularly for those engaged with uh, appointing clergy, because it tells us exactly who we should appoint. It tells us we should appoint a shepherd. So I need to congratulate the parish representatives... John and Ian and uh, Cara for making their choice. According to Peter, they got it absolutely right. And so it's a great uh, privilege to be able to add my welcome to uh, John and Debbie and their boys uh, this evening. Now, of course, uh, there aren't enough shepherds to go around, are there? And had we read the opening of uh, Ezekiel 34, we would have read of shepherds who didn't do their job properly. They didn't look after the sheep, they looked after themselves. They fed off the sheep rather than feeding the sheep. And of course in John 10, Jesus tells us that the hired hand runs away, protecting himself rather than the flock. How helpful then for all shepherds, elders, vicars, archdeacons that Peter wrote chapter 5. How helpful that he points us. To the chief shepherd, to Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, who laid down his life for the sheep because he is the model for our ministry. Uh, In a recent uh, church conference, Church as Refuge, Diane Langberg said to us that we are all called as ministers to follow the example of Jesus. And if only we'd given more attention to that then many of the problems we've recently experienced within evangelical churches may well not have arisen. So I want us to give our attention to these verses for a few moments, that we might better follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And I say we, not just because this is how we should all be praying for John at this point, but also because we are all called to serve. In chapter 2, Peter's reminded us that we are all a royal priesthood, called to serve together. And as we heard in that opening prayer, God's faithful people are all called to their vocation and ministry. So we're all called to follow Jesus' example. But before we get to that, we need to think about suffering. Because that is the first thing that Peter tells us here in chapter five about the shepherd. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Being called to follow Jesus means that we will, are called to suffer. And Peter reminds all those who would read this letter through the centuries that this is perfectly normal. Look at uh, verse 9 if you've got a Bible in front of you. Resist the devil standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Now in Peter there are four types of suffering. There's suffering for your own stupidity and sinfulness for which there's no credit. There's the general suffering of ordinary everyday life. The grievous trials that he talks about in chapter 1. There's a lot about suffering for following Jesus because we are indeed aliens and strangers in this world. And because we follow Jesus, as we do good, we will be reviled, slandered, and maligned. Chapter 4, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him glorify God. But there's a a fourth element uh, of suffering. It's there at the end of uh, chapter 4, verse 17 of chapter 4, for it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Here Peter's looking back to the book of Ezekiel, from which we heard a bit earlier. And in chapter 9, God's judgment is meted out because of the detestable behavior of the nation. And chapter 9 tells us, so they began with the elders, with the old men. In the time of the exile, there was no protection for the righteous remnant. They all suffered along with everybody else. The consequences of the nation's disobedience all suffered together. All were exiled And so it is today. You'll probably be aware that uh, in the last couple of weeks, a survey has come out revealing the Church of England's declining numbers. An independent report was issued highlighting the failings of different faith groups when it comes to child abuse. And in the eyes of the world, in the public mind, all churches, all faiths, all religions are lumped together. We are all declining. We are all guilty. We're all to be treated with suspicion. There's no smoke without fire. Some years ago, the American pastor, Tim Keller, said that evangelical churches are no longer considered safe places for families or children to be, but by many are considered toxic. Sadly, so it has proved. And some recent revelations within our own circles have only served to confirm those suspicions. As a result, too few will be asking the questions at the end of chapter 4. What will the outcome be for those who don't obey the gospel of God? What will the outcome be for me? We should be praying that the present sufferings and discomfort of the church might, through God's mercy and grace, bring them to their senses, turning to God and seeking repentance to avoid the final judgment for themselves. But as we know, of course, God's other purpose in uh, in suffering is to make us more like the Lord Jesus. Chapter 1 talks about proving, testing our faith through these various trials. And I'm sure that most of us here, if not all, will say that It is those tough times in our personal and corporate life that have been the greatest times of spiritual growth. Because those are the times when we have to accept our weakness. Those are the times when we have to accept that we're not in control. We're thrown back on our dependence on our Heavenly Father, on the Lord Jesus, the shepherd and overseer. ...of our souls. And because he suffered, we will suffer. And that experience of suffering is not, a reason, is not a reason not to serve. Suffering is the mark of the age after the apostles, our own times. So the command in verse 2 is, in this context, shepherd the flock of God. How then do we do that? How do we serve in this context of suffering. Secondly then, all ministers are called to serve like the chief shepherd. Now as we think about Peter's exhortations in verse 2 and following, it's worth remembering that these have always been the pressures and the temptations under which ministers labour. And they are especially those of the senior pastor, the elder, the vicar. And in verses 8 and 9, Peter's reminded us that this is all part of the spiritual battle, the inducements that the enemy brings to bear on us in order to lead us away from the truth and to follow his way to entrap us. And in that same conference I mentioned earlier, Diane Langbird maybe opened a window on one of the traps we very easily fall into she suggested that we had been too caught up with the gifting of our leaders rather than the character of our leaders she said we need to pay more attention to character more attention to christ likeness and she appealed to those making appointments at all levels of church life that that was what we do What then did Jesus do? What then did Jesus say? Well, we know Jesus served willingly. We heard it in John 10, didn't we? He submitted to the eternal plan of his Father. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus served willingly. And verse 4, he didn't pursue shameful gain. He was the one who had nowhere to lay his head. So can I just suggest the PCC should keep an eye on the improvements that are demanded in the vicarage? How many swimming pools are needed? And uh, what's that new car on the drive? We know, don't we, that motivation in ministry should never be what I can get out of it. It must always be a desire and eagerness, Peter says, to serve the sheep. The heart of the shepherd will always be in the well-being of the sheep. But for many, it's not the lure of uh, money that proves to be the greatest gain, the greatest temptation. It's the power and control of my own way. I remember a a Sunday school leader from a a previous parish. She ran the uh, Sunday school as her own fiefdom and woe betide anybody, including the vicar, I was just curious at the time, who dared to step into her kingdom. In verse 4, Peter calls this domineering. He calls it lording it over. This is the example of leadership we see in The Apprentice. But I would certainly say that I've felt that Temptation to think I've earned it, to think I'm owed. And I do think there is a growing sense of entitlement as the years tick up on the ministry meter. Whereas what Peter says to us is, follow Jesus' example, who laid down his life for the sheep, who didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped we're not to go the world's way when it comes to these matters although I wouldn't be one to deny that we can learn from some of the world's thinking when it comes to leadership but our way will never be the way of pride or personal ambition rather it'll be the way of humble submission to our heavenly father Jesus humbled himself By becoming a human, by becoming obedient to death on the cross. And he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He sums it up in Mark chapter 10. You know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How then might we test how we're doing? How might I help myself in my reflection on these things? A friend from uh, our time in uh, Essex put it like this to me once. He said, what happens in business is that when things go well, most leaders will look in the mirror. They'll be very self-content with what's happened. When things go badly, they look out of their office window to their team he said to me the the good leader looks in the mirror when things go badly and looks to his team when things go well I found that to be a really helpful challenge and guide to take responsibility on the one hand but to give real value Trust and public recognition to the team, the contribution of others. To whom, humanly speaking, do you give the credit? Who do you blame? Jesus humbled himself. Jesus put the well-being of the sheep before his own comfort. Jesus came to do the will of his father. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. Now I have it on uh, very good authority that John is such a leader. At one of the uh, goodbye gatherings back in Chesham, each person was allowed to use one word to describe John. And amidst the justifiable list of hugely positive attitudes, attributes, Christ-centred, servant-hearted was where the bulk of the comments lay. So we do indeed give thanks for John being such a leader and we pray that God will preserve him as that leader and that here at Christchurch you will play your part in helping him to do that. But also that you will join him in being the Christ-centered, servant-hearted ministers that Peter wants us all to be. That we too will be ministers who serve like the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for the sheep. This is the true grace of God, Peter tells us. Stand firm in it. Let's pray. Shall we just take a moment? to bring before the Lord those times when we haven't served as Jesus did when we've looked in the mirror self-satisfied when we've blamed others instead of taking responsibility And so our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus came willingly and gave himself willingly to death on the cross for us. We thank you that he has paid the price for all our sin, past, present and future. And we thank you that by the presence of his Spirit, we may follow his good example. Please may that be true for John. Please may that be true for the team here. In your great mercy and kindness, we pray. Amen.